This is Confessions of a Recovering Landlord, the podcast which reveals the inside secrets that commercial landlords don't want you to know. I'm your host, Jan Gibbons. And I'm Bob Gibbons, and after 20 years representing landlords, I now use that knowledge exclusively for companies which lease and purchase office and warehouse properties. Our company is called Riata Commercial Realty. Let me tell you what Riata stands for. It's an acronym that is Real Estate Advisors and Tenant Advocates, because we only work on behalf of the tenants, not the landlord. In fact, we never represent landlords little pregnant pause there because, <laughs> <laughs> because we uh, that would create conflicts of interest so we don't want that so today's episode after talking to all our clients we will discuss the ways that tenants are dealing with their leases beyond the rent relief question this will be the good the bad and the ugly on the other side of this little tune In our last two episodes, we had talked about how to request rent relief and how landlords are responding. Now that we're a few weeks into this thing and have talked to all of our clients, let's talk about the decisions tenants are making to deal with their leases beyond the free rent request. I'm so I, have dis- to gi- I have to give a, a hats off to you. You called every single client and yeah, checked but- in. How are you doing? But I'm disappointed because it's not rent relief this week. It's rent <laughs> relief. <laughs> She's getting better. I like the rent relief much better personally. But hey, so remember, every company is different. So the decisions we're about to discuss are are solutions for those companies and may or may not be appropriate for other companies. So consider this food for thought discussion um, should be had still with your real estate advisor to determine what's appropriate for your particular situation. Okay, so like give a few options decisions that you've already seen our clients making well so the first thing is uh, we got a call uh, I think it was two days ago three days ago from a client and we've been working on their lease for about a year Uh, we talked about buying a building we talked about leasing ultimately they decided they would lease and they were going to expand more than double and uh, they said you know what This thing with uh, everybody working from home has proven that we can work from home and be successful and be productive. So, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and do that. (laughs) Can you pass the Kleenex? (laughs) Exactly. So much for that commission, right? But you know what? We always say it's about what's best for the client. Absolutely. And I'm glad they found out now. Yeah. It was kind of try on before you buy, really. I would have hated for them to figure that out after the fact. Uh, In fact, I had another uh, conversation with a client who signed their lease four months ago and he told me this morning I wished I hadn't signed that lease and I felt terrible for him because in their company they had had the conversation should we work from home at what we call now a distributed workforce yes I like that so it's number one is the distributed workforce is one of the decisions being made so he said that he and some of his uh, leadership team had talked about whether or not they should have people work from home and he basically um, agreed that he would go with their recommendation, which was that people wouldn't be as productive at home as they are in the office, and they couldn't be sort of, quote, watched as closely. So they decided to go ahead and do the lease, and now 
He's like, I wish I had at least half the space. We could have had a couple of offices for executives, a real nice kitchen, conference room, a place for people to come in together. But you know what? Let them work from home if they want to or go to Starbucks or go to So what can he do now? Well, so that's one of the options for later I was going to mention, but he can uh, sublease. Or he could sublease part of it, or he could bring in someone who is a uh, complimentary service to his service, and they share expenses. There's a lot of things that still can be done, and I still say he might not have ever tried this and pulled the trigger if it hadn't been a governmental shutdown. If it hadn't been forced. Yeah, that's a good point. Absolutely. So he's still learning and growing, and he'll know going forward, and there's still options that we can help guide our clients through. Sometimes we never do things until we're forced to. It's kind of like me becoming a tenant rep. I wouldn't have done it if I hadn't gotten (laughs) fired. (laughs) That's another story. All right, so another one of the um, options or decisions we're seeing uh, made is uh, what I call kick the can down the road. So we have another client that we had been working on their deal for quite a while. We had two options teed up, uh, one to expand and extend their lease in their current building, one to move to a different building. And uh, and so we were like ready to to do one of those two things. And in fact, one of the landlords had come to us and said, hey, we're going to provide you with what we call turnkey improvements. So the improvements that were going to be done in the space we thought it was going to cost around $55 a square foot. Landlord was only going to give 25 So that means the tenant was going to have to come out of pocket for the 30 bucks of extra money for improvements, or they would have had to finance it, which just increases their cost. So it just didn't make any sense. Well, that landlord came back to us two and a half weeks ago and said, hey, we'll do turnkey TIs, which basically means that $30 a square foot the tenant was going to have to do vanished. The landlord was going to cover that. But the rental rate was going to still be the same. And my recommendation to the client was, as painful as it was to us personally... Passing the Kleenex again, please. Exactly. Um, We felt like the best thing for that client to do was to just do a one-year extension. Because even though they need to expand, they'd had a couple of people leave the company before the COVID thing hit. And uh, so they don't have the pressure to expand immediately. So we're like, hey, stabilize your customer base during this hard time, then stabilize your employee base get them back on uh, get that back on track and then we can deal with the, the lease and by that time the rental rates will have gone down in the market because rental rates are going down there's no question in my mind that uh, off all sectors industrial retail office you know to warehouse. varying degrees I, I think it'll be most significant probably in retail and office and to a lesser degree in multifamily and um, uh, industrial but I do think it's going to impact all of them to some extent. But I think, you know, what we see is as people start laying off employees, they no longer need the amount of space they have. Therefore, they put that on the sublease market. Now there's a lot more options on sublease, which is usually less expensive to start with. Then the landlords have no new options coming in the door. So then they start cutting their rental rates. And, you know, how much is that going to be? Is it going to be 2%, 5%, 20%? I can't tell you that. And that'll vary by property and by um, submarket and by city. But I guarantee you it's going. So going to happen. So in this case, I just said, look, guys, I think you're better off doing this one-year extension. That'll put off our decision for probably nine months, six to nine months, before we have to really start f- focusing on this again. And by that time, we'll see what's happening with the rental rates. The thing I'm not concerned about is that rental rates will be higher. And that was their main concern was they're like, look, we're not going to have to pay more, right? 
if we wait. And I was like, I cannot imagine in my wildest dreams that that would be the case. So I think it's status quo or better as far as rental rates go for the tenant and very little risk of any increase in rents. Okay, so just kind of the elephant in the room, since everyone is slow paying or no paying, this is going to start affecting the landlords as well. Is there any case where our client's place of office goes into a default state because the landlord loses his behind and he no longer has control of the building and they're now dealing directly with the bank? I mean, so, obviously that's way down the road, but just kind of... Yeah, so, so what you're talking about is you're talking about if the if the the landlord doesn't pay their lender, will the lender foreclose? And in that situation where a lender forecloses, the lender does have the right to terminate any lease they don't like. Now, that is excruciatingly rare. You know, in my 35-year career, 36-year career, uh, I've only seen that happen a, f- a handful of times. Well, and wouldn't an SNDA then protect? Well, if there is one. So SNDA stands for subordinate subordination and non-disturbance agreement, which is basically a preemptive agreement when you sign a lease from the lender saying, hey, if I ever do foreclose, I won't terminate this particular lease. Now, that's hard to get for small tenants, but if you have a tenant of a significant size, then you can get that. Uh, So, you know, I can't give you a percentage of how many leases have that, but I think it's a fairly small percentage, probably not more than 10 or 20 percent of all leases have that. Don't you normally see that when the building is refied during the term of the um, lease? No. Um, actually, that you don't, because usually whenever you, whenever the landlord refinances, then all the tenants still have to sign a subordination at that point, subordinating their, uh, actually, it's what's called an estoppel. They sign an estoppel, and, and one of the clauses in the estoppel says that the, the tenant is subordinating their interest, their leasehold interest to that lender. So whether it's a, a lender at the time they sign the lease or later on, they still are subordinating to that and um, so anyway, I think there's probably little risk cause, because, because I think the rental rates are going down. Most of the leases in place now are going to be at higher rental rates than what they will be in the future. So if a lender forecloses on a building, they're going to probably have a whole bunch of leases in the building that are higher than that market at that time. So it's not likely that they would terminate those leases in most cases. So uh, I don't think there's much risk of that. You know, another one of the decisions, you know, we talked about a one-year extension. I'm really recommending for any clients that have a lease that expires for the rest of 2020, extend the lease by 6 to 12 months, maybe even 18, depending on their circumstances. Um, If their lease expires next year in 2021, then I'm suggesting that we wait until uh, probably July or August or September at the earliest to go talk to the landlords. Again, that'll give enough time for the markets to start reacting to the new, the new reality. And, uh, and hopefully rental rates will have come down by that point. And you know, the main risk is you don't want, land, you don't want tenants signing long-term leases at rental rates higher than they have to. Uh, but there's a balance there because if you have to have a bunch of free rent, if you need a, um, a lot TIs. of improvements, tenant improvements, TIs, then you may you probably have to. And, um, and that makes sense, regardless of who pays for those TIs, by the way. If the landlord pays for the TIs, they are going to require a longer-term lease to amortize that over the term. If the tenant pays for it, well, they still want a longer term so that they can amortize that cost over a longer term. So whoever pays that 
is going to want the longer term lease. But one thing that I have been reading of late is that one thing that's coming about from COVID-19 is tenants are going to want flexibility moving forward. They're not going to be signing long-term leases, or if they do, it's for accordion space where they can expand or retract. Mm -hmm. And just having the ability to bob and weave through troubled waters, I think, is going to be high priority for a lot of tenants. Sure. And in in a perfect world, a tenant would have a month-to-month lease. I mean, that sounds crazy, but ultimate flexibility to say, hey, with 30 days notice at any given time, I can I can leave. And that's one of the reasons why co-working has been so successful is because it gives very big, uh, huge flexibility to companies. And so on a project basis, that really works. But if you want your own identity with your own space that reflects the image and the culture, and the personality of the company, you know, that doesn't really work too well. And to get a space that looks like that requires a lot of money. And so a short-term lease with huge flexibility doesn't really work. So ways to get that would be to have, of course, a renewal option so you can extend into the future, a termination option so you can terminate, although that's usually at a single point in time, not an ongoing kind of thing. And it costs. And there's a cost to it, absolutely. Uh, So having options to expand, and even contraction options, options to give back a portion of your space. Mm-hmm. Again, those are really hard things to get. Landlords hate giving those things because it takes away their um, their flexibility. And it takes away their certainty of cash flow, which is what they need to get loans. So it's a, it's a tough thing. One other thing I would say is uh, people may want to consider uh, that not exercising their renewal options. Now, we always tell clients never exercise renewal option. It's always, almost always a bad idea to use a, a renewal option. I, I won't go into all the reasons for that right now. But bottom line is we always want to negotiate for uh, a lease extension, expansion, whatever, before the renewal option exercise date in the lease. Usually that's going to be 6 to 12 months prior to the expiration date. Right now, I think in many cases you may want to let that expiration or that uh, that notice date pass. So if you have a, a, a renewal option that you have to give notice by May 31st, don't say anything to the landlord. Just let it go on by. Or if you are negotiating with them and you're not getting the answer that you want, then let it pass. And now things get more serious. The landlord gets a little more nervous that you're not going to stay. They might get more negotiable. Because usually a renewal option, one of the features of most renewal options is that the rental rate can't be any lower than what they're already paying. Well, if somebody's paying $40 a square foot in rent, in this market, you know what? Maybe they'll be able to renew or extend their lease for 5 or $8 a square foot less. You know, Who knows how much less it's going to be? Even if it's $3 less, that's still a significant savings. So you don't want to exercise a renewal option where it's going to automatically say you can't pay any less than what you were already paying. Now they're paying at least 40 bucks a, a foot into the future uh, for five years, let's say. Okay, so what options are available to a company with a lease where they weren't planning to negotiate in the near future? Say they're going to um, expire their lease expires in say two to five years okay what kind of options would you offer for them well and and that's going to be a lot of a lot of companies are in that boat so one thing would be that they need to really review their lease and have their advisor review the lease and of course we'd be happy to do that for 
for folks if uh, even if they aren't our clients we'd be happy to review their leases for them so one option would be to uh, consider exercising a termination option um, nothing gets the attention of a landlord faster than terminating a lease uh, I remember back when I was a landlord I was an asset manager and we were negotiating with a large company international company that occupied a full floor of one of our buildings and they you know it, the market was going down at that point they wanted to um, extend the lease but at a lower rate than they were already paying and we kept saying no we, we we were negotiating but not you know enthusiastically by any means and uh, and so we ultimately said you know here's the offer and this is our best offer well they had a renewal they had a termination option and I opened the mail one day and holding you know in my hands I had a check for one million dollars <laughs> I'd never held a check for a million bucks. Unfortunately, it was not made out to Bob Gibbons personally, <laughs> or we wouldn't be having this conversation Nor now. would it have cleared the bank. Yeah. <laughs> Negotiating but, tactic. But when we got that check, everything changed in a hurry. And I called the broker for that tenant, and we had a new conversation going. What I meant to say was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I forget all the other stuff I was saying. And, uh, and so we had a whole new negotiation, and I gave them that check back un uncashed, and uh, and we extended their lease at a rate that was much more to their liking i'll put it that way so that's that's one option uh exercise termination options another one is what we call blend and extend oh that's the new wardrobe line i was looking at <laughs> oh i'm sorry never mind covid 19 is not being kind to me <laughs> <laughs> yes it is anyway blend and extend is basically where you extend the lease and and hopefully reduce the rental rate so let's just say somebody's paying the forty dollars a square foot we talked about earlier we think now the market's going to be 32. we go to the landlord and say hey, there's two years left on their lease uh, we will go ahead and extend it for another three years so now there's a full five years left on the lease but instead of forty dollars a square foot we'll do 35 because that's kind of a blend between the forty dollars they're they're committed to for the remaining two years of their lease plus three years at the 32 dollars that we're uh, that we think the market is so you're kind of blending the rent not in not as low as what you think the market is now but not as high as what they're paying today so they the tenant gets a benefit the the benefit to the landlord on that on the other hand is what they want more than anything is they want future predictable uh, consistent cash flow and so it actually helps them maintain value in their building if they are able to um, lock in this good credit tenant for a much longer period of time and then of course one of the other things that we've talked about a minute ago is subleasing so subleasing is certainly an option that people that have a longer term lease may have if they have too much space um, then they can sublease the space they don't need if they need to grow that and there's no other option to grow within the building then maybe they sublease their current space and move to some other place to get a bigger uh, a bigger space what I do not recommend is if somebody is paying you know $40 a square foot let's say and they want to go to a building that's you know $25 a square foot uh, which you can definitely find nice, nice buildings that are 25 bucks a foot I would never recommend somebody move to a $25 a square foot building hoping that they're going to sublease their $40 a square foot building because when they sublease that $40 a square foot building they're going to have to give a big discount for that to happen so get the sublease in place first before you sign your lease well i mean possibly 
but what I'm saying is that you typically have to discount a sublease significantly from what you're paying to get it subleased. So if you have to discount at $10 a square foot, and then you go lease space for $25 a square foot, well, you're, so you're still looking at a, a net $35 a square foot, perhaps. It's more complicated than that. The math's not quite that simple. But uh, anyway, subleasing is another option. Okay, so are there any other considerations? Well, other considerations that tenants should consider in um, how they structure deals from the beginning. Uh, so one of the ways to do that, uh, one of the things they should do is, if possible, use separate entities for each lease. So we have a client that has uh, three, three locations, and they have created a separate entity to be on the lease for each location. Well, they've decided they're going to shut down one of those locations. Again, bad news for us, but, uh, but this, this tenant had a pretty good uh, business in one of those locations, and they've decided that it's just not worth the distraction because it's a geographically remote location from where they're headquartered, um, and it's a relatively small company. And so they just said, you know, we, we're in the process of expanding near in our main location. We just need more time to focus on that and we don't want to be distracted by this remote location, so they're just going to close that uh, that location. Well, it's in a separate entity, so if they decided to, they could bankrupt that entity, or you know, negotiate some buyout or whatever, and it wouldn't have any impact on their other locations. As long as there's no personal guarantee. Well, as long as there's no personal guarantee, as long as there's no commingling of funds, as long as there's nothing that's going to sort of pierce the corporate veil, so to speak. Yeah. And, uh, and so they, you know, if they're going to go with that option, they really need to talk to their attorney about that, make sure they're doing it in the right way, make sure they're talking to their CPA to be managing all those entities separately as truly separate entities and not commingling funds, all that kind of thing. So those are, um, that's one thing that they ought to consider. Uh, you mentioned personal guarantees just now. Avoid those at all costs if you can. Um, fortunately, in that case we just talked about, there is no personal guarantee. So the individuals that own the company are not personally responsible for the um, liabilities of that company, of that entity. Um, other situations, they are. We have other clients who have gone to their landlords asking for rent relief uh, in this COVID situation, but they have personal guarantee on the lease. Well, I'm, I'm happy to say that most of those landlords are still working with those clients, and they're not just saying, eh, too bad, you got a personal guarantee, pay up which they easily could do. I mean, that's the whole point of a personal guarantee. If the company can't pay, then the individual does or the other parent company, whatever. So well, Yeah, but it behooves them to play nicely in the sandbox to begin with. Now, if six months from now they're still not paying, right? I guarantee you they're looking at that personal guarantee at that point. Yeah, and and in some cases the person, the person who personally guarantees the lease, um, their whole net worth or a lot of it is tied up in that company. So if the company is going down, their personal net worth may be going down too. So a personal guarantee in that case may not be all that useful, but there's a lot of psychological value in that. As because the they would have to declare personal bankruptcy correct. to eradicate the personal guarantee. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, depending on what their personal financial situation is. Uh, so anyway, and then one other thing, um, you know, other considerations is have your financial statements uh, up to date. What I mean by that is your balance sheet, your cash flow statement, your profit and loss statement, all those kinds of things. You know, landlords are often going to want to see those things, especially if you're talking about a workout situation. But they also may want that, well, they will want that whenever you're negotiating a new lease in a new location. But 
these days, if you're going to do a blend and extend like we talked about, landlords are going to want some evidence that you're still a good credit risk, especially in this kind of a strange environment. So those are just a few other things to consider. Well, we'll wrap up this doom and gloom episode by <laughs> saying thank you for being with us on Confessions of a Recovering Landlord. Again, we exclusively advise companies in their decisions on office and warehouse leases and purchase. Look us up at texastenantrep.com or call us at 972-677-0028. See you next week. Bye.